As we come on the air right now, we are made aware that it is the 100th episode of Heaven and Hell. And, you know, we uh, did some rethinking on whether or not we wanted to go back and do some more episodes of Dreams or what we wanted to do. And we come to the conclusion that uh, we're not doing more episodes of Dreams and we'll continue on with Heaven and Hell. I don't know how to talk to you about how I feel because I judge. I judge people. Or I have a class act lawsuit. I have a claim. I have a persecution or a defense. A defense for my case, but a persecution so the judge can rule in my favor. They put it in these zones of what are they guilty of? Tell me the evidence. What did I do wrong? They want me to draw back on the exact precise thing that they did wrong when I can't draw back on the precise exact thing that was done wrong because... It's of a spiritual vocabulary word, not a English dictionary word. And I, I grow tired of having to judge people because that is not righteous. I'm not supposed to judge my brothers and sisters. That's up for the God to judge. And... I get myself so heavily involved in religion that I become I become to be known as a person who has a form of godliness to them. And when it says the difference between having God judge people or a form of godliness judge people, I mean if we're supposed to be embracing God through us, are we supposed to judge God, are we not judge God, but I mean, are we supposed to be able to judge as if God judges, or are we supposed to leave that to the creator? Know the difference of taking on the traits and having a form of godliness without being God and judging with ourselves. It's preached and talked that we should be lovers of our brothers, well, not lovers, but we shall love our brothers and sisters. And it gives us direction in the New Testament. And I really think the New Testament is a new covenant, a new promise, a new relationship, testament that we have with God, our creator. No longer is it just God or the Lord or the Holy Spirit, as we have in the Old Testament, Hashem, Yahweh, Jehovah, some names that he's known by. No longer do we have that uh, religion of 
having to abide by all the sin offerings that uh, is in the book, the, the books that are laws in our early on religion. And like to abide by, you know, sin offerings, a lamb, a goat, a ram, things like that, meat offerings, burnt offerings, things like that. To attest for our sins, we have Jesus who has attested for our sins. And as long as we believe upon Jesus and do things right in the Lord, basically, as long and as drawn out as the Old Testament is, it is the Old Testament. It is not the New Testament. Not to say that it doesn't have value, but to say that the New Testament has more value in ways to be and how to be, then I would say the Old Testament has instruction on how to be. So essentially, if you want to read something and you want to be caught up to date, you don't have to go through the whole Old Testament and read all the books. It's a history lesson. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to know origin and precise detail of origin of where we have arrived in the New Testament, then you want to go back and read the Old Testament. But if you want to be saved and you want to know what it's like to be saved, all you have to do is read the New Testament and come to believe the things that are preached about in the New Testament. The Old Testament is more so of, you know, what people have to do for God and stories of miracles and things for God than it is about Jesus. And through Jesus, we have repentance of our sins. We have atonement for our sins. He is our defender, our lawyer in our defense that if we believe upon him, then he suffers the crime. As in, you know, he gets he he has crucified once for all of our transgressions against God. As long as we believe upon that. And it's hard to totally get rid of my knowledge about the Old Testament, what knowledge I have, because when you think about the Bible, you think of one big book about everything that's got to be done righteous in, in, in life in order to live a, a life filled with Christ and, and, and have godliness to it. And you believe there's so much to do to be righteous, and then all of a sudden you think to yourself, if, I, if I'm a human... If I'm a human and I am prone to sin, I'm under the curse of sin, and I am not perfect in my sins, and I do commit them, but I put them upon Jesus for him to pay for my sins, but yet I keep still sinning somewhat. I smoke and I am attracted to women in uh, adulterous videos. I have urges, male urges, 
Perhaps that's the reason why I lost my first girlfriend. We were abstinent. We didn't have sex. And a year and a half of grinding got on my nerves, and I wanted to have sex because I was in love. And you want to make love with somebody who you want to make love with, my first girlfriend, my love of my life so far. And you want to make love with her, and she doesn't want to make love. So you compromise, and you just wait it out. I wanted to wait until I got done with college to ask her to marry me. She wanted to move on into the real world and start a life. She even wanted to do that at Disney. Live in an apartment, get married, and do all that. But I never asked her to marry me. And I have this urge of, if I'm getting a little bit of a taste of sexual action from what we did do, but not the whole thing, it's like biting from the apple we both did. We committed the sin of sexual immorality of what we did together. And it was like you ate a bite of the apple and a bite of the apple, but you didn't eat all of the apple. It's like, well, I only took a bite of it. It's like, if you're going to take a bite of the apple, you may as well eat the whole damn apple and indulge in all of it if you're going to do a little bit of it. A little bit of sin does not attest for a lot of sin. The difference between penetration and non-penetration. When she's in control of the relationship and two years older, it, it, it really has no difference to it. Except for the feel-good making love. and It's okay to do this with a, a love, but it's not okay to have all that done with a love and then get married to somebody if you wanted to save that till marriage. Which, I don't know, I'm ignorant and I don't know exactly what was done between her and her future lovers, whoever she had. But I know that me, after break, after we broke up and seeing that she was interested in another guy or she was talking to a childhood friend, I decided, you know what, she's moved on. She's inviting that into her life. She's already sleeping with it. I may as well indulge in what I want, which me not being religious at the time was just sex after being denied sex for so long. So, of course, I had sex with another girl, and then my chances of being with the love of my life so far were out the window. But how am I supposed to know that when I believe she's already sleeping with him and already committing the act that she wouldn't commit with me because I've seen evidence of it? of them talking and getting together, not the actual act itself, until seven years later I turn on the sexual immorality screen and I see a sexual act between what I presume as her and her to-be Birmingham boyfriend. Anyways, that's my discomfort with the fact that you can sin, but be forgiven. I don't know where I was going with that, but the story of my past love came up and I decided to share it.
Um, what I'm saying is, I don't know where I, I, I got so ingrained in the story that I can't draw back onto what I was talking about to, to connect that elaborate story to my point I'm trying to emphasize. The point I'm trying to emphasize is you'll be forgiven for your sins either way if you commit the act or if you don't, if you believe upon Jesus and that he bore your sins for you. Not that you're trying to be Mother Mary or not that you're trying to be Holy Father, but that you're putting the sins upon the Savior, who is Jesus Christ. Oh, why do I think I'm the Holy Father? Because she must have thought she was Mother Mary. Of course, both people have sex, and they lose their, their joint innocence of virginity, and to put born again in the same sentence as born again virginity, what is a born again virginity? Born again virginity is nothing. It means nothing because you have already had sex, but being born again is something that is of church, that is of God, that is of religion. Being born again is an act, and it's being chosen by God, to lead a more pure life. So in essence, you could say, well, I'm going to, I've had sex, but I'm a born-again virgin. I'm not having sex again until I'm married. It's like, how many times can you say you're not having sex again until you're married if you keep having sex, even though you keep saying you're not going to do it again? It's really like, God, I'm sorry I smoked this cigar. I won't smoke anymore. And then you smoke another one. It's like trying to refrain from doing it, but not being able to. And that's where we get with our sins. We want to pull away from the ones that we do commit and not commit them anymore. But we have to also understand that we are not Jesus Christ, and we are not without flaw, and we are not without sin. So we have to be disciplined. So essentially... My mind goes to the point of actually enacting sin and doing it purposely, doing it for pure lust of it, as in for fun, you know, and not caring that uh, it's a sin. But if there is no other route to go other than doing the sinful act, then the sinful act has to be done and be put upon Jesus and have to have faith that he will forgive you for what you have done. Say, for instance, you say, I'm a born-again virgin. I'm not having sex with a girl that I, that I love. And you're with a girl that you love, and you, you, you kiss, you hold hands, you get a little bit intimate, but say there's, say there's this urge amongst a woman and a man and they 
indulge in sex before marriage. Now, is that adultery? It does not become adultery if, if they get married. If they get married, then it is, then it is part of the relationship before marriage. So, the sin is taken away by the vow that is made to be together. My understanding of adultery was if you're together with somebody, boyfriend and girlfriend, you only date to get to the point of marriage. I, took, I, I looked at myself and I said, I'm not going to date anybody unless there's somebody I want to marry. Then, of course, I got tangled up in the mess that I got tangled up in with my ex-girlfriend. And I started indulging in lustful activity, and I wanted more of it, not knowing what the lustful activity would do to me, because I was just some Yahoo who was jacking off to adulterous videos for the first half of college. And the whole being born again thing comes after the breakup, after the depression, after the psychotic break, that is the enlightenment, the spiritual awakening, and having to know what Jesus is going to forgive and what he's not going to forgive, well, I don't believe I'm in the wrong, and I guess I don't believe she was in the wrong. I guess it's just the way that it had to happen, and you can't go back in the past. Where am I am? Where am I at today? I'm at today, sorrowful, sometimes weak, without another love, without a family of my own, alone on a radio talk show, and still thinking of the love that could have been done. Would I have ever been chosen or born again if we would ever would have broken up? I don't know. I don't know how stable my mind was because I gave that woman everything that I had in my loving power, and it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. I never cheated on her, but yet she played around and fooled around with going to dinners with other people and claimed that she was just seeing a friend. Adulterous woman or adulterous man? A man who has an evening watching a TV show with another woman. Okay, wanting to have sex but not actually doing the crime of committing sex and sin and the adulterous between the relationship of boyfriend-girlfriend. I don't know. But then you ask, you know, the superstition that goes upon in her mind of did he actually do it or did he not actually do it? And not actually asking the question because she doesn't know how to, but rather sliding off, slithering off, and accepting somebody else into her life who is a childhood friend who she feels comfort with. Well, I tell you, it did damage to me. I was hurt upon the breakup. Break up. I lost my morals of chastity when I was getting with other women. Then I had my awakening, my break, my enlightenment. 
and I became born again. And yes, there's been one or two times that I've been intimate with other women since I've become born again. But do I become born again, born again, born again? No. I'm still not born again in the sexual means of never having sex after being born again. No such thing as born again virgin. That is an illusion. You can only stick it in there one time and you can only bleed one time. Unless, of course, it's the time of the month and unless, of course, you have multiple women. But the frequency in which you do it, say you don't smoke. You're not committing that sin, but you're having sex. You're committing that sin. So you trade off sins, right? Well, I'm just making love with people. I love these people. I'm making love, right? I don't know. That's still adultery because it's not the person you're going to marry. So it's still considered adultery and a sin. But if we try to not smoke and we try to reframe from sexual intercourse with other people that we want to have experience with and we wait and we save it for marriage or we become chaste and just discipline ourselves in the arts of not indulging in those activities, then the ulterior motives of, oh, I used to smoke marijuana. Now I smoke cigars. It's the lesser of the two evils, but it's still bad. Oh, I used to have sex, but now I grind. It's lesser of the two evil, but still it's immorality if it's not who you're going to marry. Essentially, I'm still bitter about it, I'm still upset about it, and I still judge and talk and condemn and say it was your fault and not forgive and say it was my fault and still bitter, cold, resentful. I hate women because they're all sluts is what I say because they've all had sex before and they're not married to them. Women who are married and they're already divorced and they're in their 20s, they're not committed women. They are women that want to fool around and go into different households. But who am I to judge? I just need to avoid, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's quite upsetting to see so many unfaithful people. You're better off just staying out of the whole mess in general. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And I don't want to be a part of it because I have a big heart. And my heart is still sore. My heart is still sore after my break, after rebuilding everything, after having more experiences with other women. My heart is still sore that my virgin heart, that my pure heart got crushed and destroyed and beat up and chopped up and gushed out blood more than any of my other hearts I had combined. Why did that heart have to cost me so much pain? Why did that heart have to defeat me still till this day? To where I cannot get back on my feet and I cannot look at a woman and say, oh, you've had sex. You're already an adulteress. I don't want to be with you. 
I mean, that's a little bit of pride on myself, and it's a little bit of double standard, not not having a double standard. Because it's like guys are allowed to have sex, but women, they need not unless they are virgins and marry a, a different man. Well, now, now these women in schools and colleges and business world, none of them are virgins. For that goes out the window at the age of 15, 13, 16, 17, 18. Big year. Big, big years for these women that, that want to get involved in sex right, right away. Big, big eyes for these kids that are on their phones or on the internet and they see sexual explicit material. They leave a trail for these curious kids to find the pornography on the advertising on most sites. So yeah, adultery is everywhere. If you've looked at a girl and you've lusted after her, it is the same as committing adultery. It's committing a sin. It's breaking a commandment. It's the same as committing murder. But we are not held to those standards, I don't believe. We're held to all those standards of the Ten Commandments. Sure, we're supposed to abide by them. But Jesus says, even if you have looked upon a woman to lust for her, you have committed adultery in your heart. So how is it that we as humans refrain from adultery we've all done it it's impossible not to would jesus be able to refrain from adultery if he was in today's day and age the devil amped it up i mean i'm sure two thousand years ago it uh wasn't as available as it is now to to see it to view it to enjoy it but there were still prostitutes back then Mary Magdalene being one of them who was a follower of Jesus. He could have just as easily have gave in to his lustful sin and indulged in Mary Magdalene who gets around and who was in love with Jesus, but I guess not in love, but had loved Jesus or loved Jesus. But they didn't. They remained pure. There is no offspring. There is no bloodline of Christ. So, when you think about it to yourself, and you think you need saving, which we all do, we can get that through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the thing that we have to not do is to judge. I've been judging and critical and mean and still blaspheming my ex-girlfriend because of what she did to me, because of the pain that I'm in. I need not do that because God sees what I have done. He sees my love that I have for her still, that I have for her, and he comforts me. He makes it so it's not so painful. She hears word of it. She, in my vision, in my mind, she belittles it and attacks it and wants me to stop with the nonsense of caring about her and wants me to not think about it, talk about it, forget about it, and move on. And she's willing to pay money to get me to stay away from her. So essentially, she wants nothing to do with me. But I still can't get over my heart that I gave to her. I still can't get over the time that I invested in her. I still can't get over what I sacrificed to be with her, and it still deeply pains me. 
And that's part of the reason why I have a problem against black men is because she left me for a black man. That's why I see black men and I view them majority of the time, not majority of the time, but half the time. If they're offending me, I jump to my racism. If they're not offending me and they're not being violent or rash or evil, I don't care. They can carry about their business and that's fine. But I have been betrayed by an African-American woman who left me for an African-American man. Sure, I still see beauty in African-American women, but it, but it still pains me to have to deal with all the nonsense that, uh, that comes from black people offending me or African-Americans that offend me. I understand it's uh, it's uh, African American Month or uh, Black History Month, and I understand that I don't totally make good decisions, but I'm not here to condemn anyone, right or wrong. It's not my job to condemn black men for the wrongs they've done. It's not black people's job to condemn white men for what their ancestors did to them in slavery. We'll take a quick break and come back and continue this episode. So, essentially, I just don't like the idea of black power. I don't like the idea of white power. I don't like the idea of broadcasting power. You have the power because the only way they can view this program is if they listen to you. Actors, actresses, voiceover, commercials, television, TV shows, movies, radio, music. So much personality being put on display as if it's a talent. As if it needs to be displayed anymore. And it's frustrating that so many people put themselves out there and then they're seen as mainstream or as idols or as correct. And it's just uh, tiring to, to have trust and have it betrayed. And, you know, know if it was an Indian man or if it was a China man or if it was a... Uh, different ethnicity type of man that, that she went towards, then it would have been that, that type of person that I would still have my grudge against. I turned into the guy that she left me for. Oh, he's only been with four women and they've all just been hookups. He just wanted to have experience. And of course, then I, just hook up with four women. I just want to have experience. And I go into the do the same thing that the man who stole my girlfriend, my wife to be, had done. But yet now I'm the sinner, but yet he reaps the benefits of the fruits of my labor, prepping her up for the harvest that was for me to reap from making her fruit tile to making her fruitful to multiply with her, and now she is rag and bone. So 
Now I become plump and dump and round and frowned, mentally ill, round, crazy, racist, not attractive by means and what is attractive in the world today, a one man one time had the time of his life and now he's the epitome of failure. And I don't like being the epitome of failure. But I still have great pain in my heart, and I and I feel as if I am just second rate. The beta. It's the beta. There's a better one. She's dating a beta to get to the alpha. The beta. But now, I don't want to put myself out there because I don't want to be the beta. I don't want to be the trial followed up by, I'm done with you. I found out what I really like, and I really like this person. Because she had made me the beta when I had wanted to be the alpha, the first of marriage. Or the first of love, making sex. And it comes back to haunt me and defeat me. And I'm not the first, but yet I'm, what, what the last after she goes around and finds out everybody that she has relationships with in one way or another? Am I to be the last? At home at last, right? Who cares if you're number one as long as you're the last one in there? As long as you're the last one that can marry her and take her home tonight, right? Take me home tonight. I got two tickets to paradise, won't you? Pack your bags and leave tonight. Would I take her back after all the people that she's been with? Me not knowing who she's been with or whether or not she is even still a virgin or not. And me just going off on a random tantrum about what I believe takes place, even though I have no actual knowledge of the truth because the truth is not displayed to me. Because what privilege do I have to know the truth? So it essentially talks to me about um, forgiveness for what people have transgressed against me. I have to forgive. I forgive, but if she's been with 10 guys, would I accept her back after she had dumped me as a virgin and went on to have sex with 10 guys only to come back to me as, as used and abused and wants me to settle down with her? Well, the book says I should. Would she accept an overweight, lazy, overweight, uh, unactive man that has a doormat lifestyle of just accepting what is or just not accepting what is and kicking out the things that he sees as unrighteous? Is that what he should do? So, I don't know. But I do know that through Lord Christ, Jesus, he wants me to forgive. And he wants me to still carry that love with me. So while all the wrong that I've talked about, I still have to love and forgive. Even though a black man is the one who took my girlfriend from me, I have to still love the black man. I have to love the Asian man. I have to love the Indian man. I have to love the China man or the Mexican man. Along with the women, I have to love the Asian woman, the, the Chinese woman. The Indian woman, the 
Mexican woman, the white woman. I have to love all of them. Because Jesus tells us to love one another. But we're not without sin. You can't tell me that a person who's totally not racist is 100% all the time totally not racist. Because I know damn well about 100% of the kids in my Clarkston High School class that were male that I talked to were all racist against black men. Then I hear so much black power and black reinforcement and I'm not racist when Black Lives Matter takes effect and they're all claiming to support black people because it's a trend, because it's something that's popular in today's society. So essentially, the people who were saying it back then, they must have grown and have learned from it since then. Me, who would not be racist back then, when amongst racist people, grew up and had something done to him by a black person that makes him a little bit racist from time to time, is now considered a racist when you could be racist in the past and not be racist anymore, but be called a non-racist. But because you were not racist in the past and then have a reason to be a little bit racist, now you're a racist. Which means you can be saved and then fall away from your salvation. There's no way you can be saved in fifth grade and then carry on a worldfully lustful life and not give thought to Jesus or about God except in the way you want to think about them and not in the way the Bible tells you to think about righteousness. So essentially, then, you claim you're still saved. And you can just carry about whichever way you want to. And that once saved, always saved. What you're doing in reading the Bible is nonsense because I don't read the Bible and I'm saved. I do good deeds. Oh, you do good deeds. Faith without works is nothing. But works without faith is also nothing. You cannot do works of righteousness, but have no faith and be considered righteous. You cannot be righteous and do no works and be considered righteous. The two go hand in hand. I can't sit on this broadcast and claim I'm righteous without having faith that my unrighteousness that I do have is being forgiven by Jesus for, for the, the wrongs that I have said. This is my action being sent out there to the world, thus being a worldly product, but in hopes that some people who come across my message can take it and can learn from it and can develop to be more like Christ, to find their faith, to understand where I'm coming from through my personal experiences and to find Jesus Christ and to ultimately be saved because that is my goal when I put on this episode. When I put on this show, when I put on my broadcast, the end times, the dreams, the reality, my goal is to convert people from their non-belief or disbelief and get them to believe through my personal example, through my story. So essentially, I just hope that I can produce 
the words I want to produce with my tongue without being too rash against any cultural group. And I'm still learning. I have to reread some books that I read today while I was watching Noah because my attention was half in the movie and half on my readings. I made it through Hebrews. I made it through James. I made it through uh, another one. I can't remember the exact one. I'll look it up right now just to, just to be precise. Um, Peter. I think I'm on Peter right now. I read Hebrews, James, and Peter. So Peter 1 is what I'm on, I think. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read Peter yet, but I made it through Hebrews and James. So I'm just praying for the day that the Lord comes back and, you know, that I can no longer bear the pain of my sorrows and of my woes and of my stresses and failures and everything that I do. I view my life as stationary. I commute communicate to other people through my podcast, through my radio show, what you hear. And that's my voice out into the world to be criticized, critiqued, transferred, manipulated, twisted and turned or crafted to what you want to hear and what you want to make out of it. All my shows that I've ever created have been taken from me, listened, heard, and they have been twisted and crafted and turned into the way that they want to receive them as the audience. Just as anybody takes the Bible and reads it, they apply it to their own previous knowledge, so they interpret the Bible differently than the way I interpret the Bible. So the Bible is a piece of information, knowledge, history, wisdom, whatever it is along those lines and other ones, religious, faithful, righteousness and people take that and read it and translate it to mean what they want it to mean to them personally which means you do the same thing when you hear one of my broadcasts which tells me okay so there's they're seeing it as this this means i need to do this you do your action and you say what you need to say some people the only thing they'll get out of this episode is they'll say, oh, he's a racist. They won't listen to any of the other knowledge and wisdom that I pour out to them and the unbalance of both of my ways of knowing the good and the evil because essentially what is the apple? The apple is the knowledge of good and evil. What is heaven and hell? It's the knowledge of good and evil. It's good as in heaven. It's bad as in hell. It's evil as in hell as in the good and the bad, the heaven and the hell. So am I unbalanced or am I talking about the good and the bad? Do I have knowledge of the good? Do I have knowledge of the bad? Yes. And it applies to everything I've talked about. Okay? Does not mean that I'm unstable. It means that I'm learning and perfecting myself through the Bible that is a guide, a blueprint, a a manual on God-like behavior and on heaven and hell. My core foundation, my core source that I use 
that I get my information from is the Bible. And that's what I project back to you, the audience, the listener, the information that I get from the Bible and what it means for the righteous side or the unrighteous side, the heaven and the hell. So I'm no judge, I'm no jury, and I'm no executioner. I am simply a man who has lived a life-filled experience up to the age of 22 and a half before he had his psychotic break, his enlightenment, his spiritual favor, his born-again religion, his faithfulness in himself, and through God the Father and through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. So here we are on episode 100 of Heaven and Hell. Came up fast, didn't it? Yes, it did. And so much of what I believe in is how I want to be. I want to be the next Jesus. I want to be God the Father. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with the Holy Spirit the night that I became born again, which was the night that I had my first break, the night that I saw the light. The entire phase from December 12th, 2012, till December 27th, 2012, all the way through my hospital stay for 10 days, when I had to start over and wipe out everything that had happened to me, I wake up on the 27th of December, born again, staring at the light, but not having the, the godliness of the light come to me like it had come to me before. So I have to ask for a toothbrush and figure out where do I go from here? Because my mouth was filthy. I said so many profane words. I talked so filthily. Fil I, my mouth was filled with filthiness. Time out. Um, so essentially, I, I had to restart where from, from the ending of one life to the start of a new life. So... Um, I just think that, uh, it gave me a fresh start and I still maintain some of the things that I held on to from the past, but perhaps I should just say that was a past relationship before I was born again. And I'm going to get into another relationship after I have been born again, which I have been born again one time, only once. And it's going to be a new relationship that is central focused on religion, God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or it's going to be with a woman that I meet, that I live my life with, that I have children with. Or perhaps there is no need to multiply anymore as we are in the last of days. But if I need to be fruitful and multiplied, God will make that happen in my life one way or another. All I got to do is have faith. If you're out there, if you're a woman looking for a man, if you're a man looking for a woman, maybe he wants you to be chaste right now and refrain from looking for a woman or refrain from looking for a man. And perhaps 
be chaste and draw closer to the Lord during this time so that when you find the person you're going to be with, you know how to indulge in things of love. Because after all, the Bible is a book of love. It is a book of what is righteous, what is unrighteous, the law according to God. The way back from our sin. You want to know about good. You want to know about evil. I am a branch, a section, a spiritual, religious branch in the mental health field with the bipolar and the schizoaffective. The schizoaffective. I'm a branch. And that's to say my hallucinations, my visions, my voices, my moods, they all have to do with the Bible. My shows and what I speak have to do with the Bible. My life has to deal with God. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am a descendant of God's seed. I am a child of God. I say that God didn't have a seed when he had Jesus and Mary Magdalene. They didn't have a seed. They were not eloped to have a child, a bloodline of Christ. But in the fact that I do have a Savior, and I do have a Father, and I do have a Holy Spirit, that makes me a child of the Most High. That makes me a child of God, as long as I believe, and as long as I strive for righteousness and to do all the good that I can do. So essentially, the, the thing I wanted to say is that the heaven and the hell, it is found in the Bible as well. The Bible is found in this show as well, because I try to communicate to people in a spiritual tone, a religious tone, and a biblical tone, a righteous tone, and a worldly tone to some means and extent. When I first started this show, I got on my soapbox and I said, I'm going to make religion cool. No longer is it going to be weak. No longer is it going to be insignificant. No longer is it going to be dull. It's going to be awesome. I come to think about religion as boring, dull, and righteous, and fruity, and not right. Then I get to reading the Bible, and I find out that it's the greatest story of all time, and that the Bible is the thing that is full of enlightenment, wisdom, righteousness, and everything. And I'm the fool who thinks that I'm going to take what I know about life and talk to it, talk to you about life, about what I know and I've experienced, because I've lived 30 years on this planet, and I know all there is to know about making religion cool, because the book that God wrote, what does he know, right? I'm that guy. So now that I have come to terms with the cool guy making cool of the 100th episode of Heaven and Hell, making cool religion, I am also saying that if you don't want to listen to me anymore, I'm perfectly fine with it. As long as you read the New Testament, learn about where you came from in the Old Testament and what God was like, and about what his expectations are for you through the New Testament. Because we're no longer we tested by sacrifices of lamb, sheep, and bull, and ram, and cow. No longer are we to be sacrificing those. But God himself sacrificed his son. He asked Isaac, I mean Abraham, to sacrifice Isaac. And then he pulled 
an angel from his his heavenly quarters and sent him to earth. And the angel stopped Abraham from doing that and made a promise to Abraham that we would remain his seed. That we would be the seed of Abraham and that his children would multiply. So yes, it is Abrahamic religion that we come from. I am a seed of Abraham. I am a seed of Noah. I am a seed of Adam. I am a seed of the house of David. Yes. I am, by birth, through bloodline, a child of Christ, a child of God the Most High, and I am, by faith, in my Gentile relation as myself, through, through spiritually a child of God as well. Because I won't be here if it wasn't for the ancestors that started off in the Garden of, of Eden and had made their way down my line and lineage. And who knows how much longer I have on this planet? I don't know. But I do know that I want to be the best version of me I can be. I want to uphold righteousness and I want to do good. I don't want to smoke a cigar. I'm ashamed after I watch lustful videos. But I'm a human being. I don't claim to be Jesus Christ or God the Father. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. It cannot be a human. So, I know we've talked for a while, and this is a long episode. And thus doing so, it is the 100th episode, and I figured I'd do something special for it and make it something that is not only informational, but a little bit entertaining as well, and drag it on out to the 45-minute mark, which we're at about now. So I just want to say thank you to the audience for tuning in. If you tune into the Bible and never me again, that's fine. I'm here to interpret what I know about the Bible, and that's it. What I know about God, and that's it. My personal life experiences that I have and, and what I come to learn through my wisdom about God, and I care to share them with you so it can benefit you, not so that you can use it against me, but so that you can be benefited by what I have learned. As soon as I learn something, I share it with you. I want to reap my fruits of my labor when I get to heaven or sometimes on earth and what I experience. But this is free of charge. There are no commercials. There are no uh, money that I get from this. This is through my own free will and of my own ability to just share with you my knowledge and my experience of life. Tune into the Bible. Read the Bible. You'll be surprised at what you learn. And every time that you read it, you'll learn something new. You'll understand something a little bit better. It's the best creation of, of all is God's book. But I'm going to try to invite more things into my life to be a good person and enjoy the life I have on earth as well. I have a job starting up at the Salvation Army that I don't know if I want to work at or not. God will decide the course of my actions. You know, am I going to be used as a, as a pawn or as a slave of a big corporation? Or are the people of a rich city are going to abuse me for, for, what, for what I'm worth? Or do I maintain it? I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. 
So thanks for tuning in to this episode, to all the episodes, to any episode, whatever it is that you've heard and learned from me. I hope that it has benefited you through the power of Christ, through God the Father, and through the Holy Spirit, and that you have drawn closer to him or them or God. And that if you have learned from me and you've liked anything that I've said, good. I'm happy to have you as an audience member. If you feel the need to do something, drop by. Leave a rating. One through five. I prefer five stars, but if you're absolutely disgusted of what I have to talk about, I'd prefer for you not to leave a rating. So this Joe Wilmot for my first series, my favorite series, the one that I can relate with the most, saying thanks for tuning in to another episode of Heaven and Hell. I'm Joe Wilmot. We'll catch you next time on JCHW Broadcasting, presenting to you JCHW Radio's hit series, hit show, Heaven and Hell.